Presenting the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, and welcome back. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howell. And today we have a very special guest for our special guest season. We have Dr. Robert Hatfield. Are you a doctor? I'm not. I'm no doctor. <laughs> well, honorary <laughs> degree just now. Yeah, we'll go with it. That's great. We'll go with it. He, he's increasing in knowledge day by day. I'm not a doctor. Uh, we have Brother Robert Hatfield here with us. Um, and, we're, and we're so thankful to have you here, whatever That's your good. qualifications are. Thank you. Uh, Podcasting expert. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, get it, we'll, get it, we'll let him introduce himself here in a second. Uh, but as I mentioned, this is a special guest season. These will be coming out over the summer. Uh, while Walker and I are in different states, taking a break from school, a much-needed break from school. Uh, And so we are recording these episodes ahead of time so that you guys will still have something to listen to, something to gain from, while Walker and I are in different states. And with these special guest episodes, we want to look at some difficult topics, some controversial topics, uh, topics that are dividing, that have strife with them, and that's kind of the topic that we're looking at today. Uh, the, the name of this episode is The Bible and Violence, as you can see from clicking on the episode, The Bible and Violence. So we're going to be looking at what violence is and how Christians should respond to violence in the world and when they are treated with violence. Uh, but before we dive into that episode and to, into this topic, we're going to go ahead and let the non-doctorate Robert Hatfield <laughs> introduce himself. Well, guys, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I'm the pulpit minister for the Henderson Church of Christ here in Henderson, Tennessee. And yeah, we've been doing some podcasts now for a little while with the Light Network and uh, have enjoyed that. And uh, I'm married uh, to Emily, two wonderful kiddos, and we're just loving life in Henderson. That's good. Honored to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Um, And so as Isaiah was saying, we are going to be diving into what the Bible says regarding Violence, And I guess before we do anything, we like to define our terms, so to speak. Um, So violence is the behavior involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. And uh, as we research for this episode, there's been many people who have been affected by violence. 1.6 million people per year, according to the World Health Organization, loses their lives to violence. And no reason or another explains why one behaves in such a violent manner towards another person. And now we get to bring in uh, the Mr. Hatfield himself, and we get the uh, still little doctor, the expert of violence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to ask him what's the Bible's viewpoint on violence from his perspective. Part of what makes a conversation like this one so controversial is that people look in the Old Testament and they think, wow. You know, they Mm -hmm. see all the blood and the guts and all the bad stuff. Um, There is no question from the front end that Christians are to be a people of peace, who promote peace, who follow the Prince of Peace. You know, all of that uh, is pretty clear. Uh, Just to sort of get this violent stuff out of the way for a second in the Old Testament, you know, primarily that sort of stuff was directed at the Canaanites, the people who were... um, uh, not Israel, and any really even a, a cursory study of the Canaanite people indicates that they were a very wicked people. You look at Leviticus eighteen twenty five for example, and it talks about the moral degradation of that people as a as a whole. It wasn't so much targeting those people culturally as it was uh, a punishment. Right, God was using the children of Israel in the Canaanite conquest to eradicate that people. Uh, from their land. And it was a religious thing. Um, You know, in Deuteronomy 7 and Deuteronomy 12, God says, I don't want you to marry those people because they will persuade you in so doing to worship the gods that they worship. And that's exactly what happens when when the people of Israel refuse to obey this command, Uh, especially looking at the example of Solomon, Mm -hmm. right? We see that Solomon had thousands of, well, maybe not thousands, but close to it, uh, numbers of, of wives and concubines mm-hmm. from foreign nations, and what do they do? They turned his heart away from God. Yeah. They distracted him from serving God. And so, as always, God had a reason for when he said what he said. Mm-hmm. God had a purpose for saying, don't marry these foreign nations because they will turn you away from me. Yeah. There were notable exceptions, like Rahab, for example, right? Who herself seems to be penitent. She's characterized right among the faithful in Hebrews 11. She winds up in the lineage of Jesus, 
Um, and so, you know, and she was not consequently eradicated. But God wants, God's desire is not that the wicked be punished, but that they turn from their sin and um, uh, rather than die. And you see that especially in like Ezekiel chapter 18. Having said all of that, I mean, it, the Christian response is that we're going to be a people who are a peaceful people. You know, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God or children of God. Well, there's something to that. If I want to be a child of God, I need to be someone who not only thinks peace is a good idea, <laughs> but to be a person who makes peace. And in a culture as charged and as sensitive as ours is, that's where the rubber starts meeting the road with a topic like ours. Definitely. You know, you bring up, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Walker. No, you're good. But you, you bring up Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, which again says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes I'm guilty of this. You know, I'll read through these Beatitudes and I'll just kind of go like, Oh yeah, do this and I'll be blessed. Do this and I'll be blessed. Yeah, mm-hmm. perfect. And move on. But there's a lot in each verse here. Mm-hmm. Um Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What a privilege that is. What a blessing that is to be called the son of God. To be with him in heaven for all eternity. And how do we do that? Well, Jesus says that it's the peacemakers. It's the ones who stop violence. It's the ones who stand up for those who need defending. That's how we're blessed. That's how we become sons of God, is when we not only... As you said, think peace is a good idea, but think it's the only idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to caution us here as we're sort of getting introductory stuff out of the way. Uh, when we start talking about a topic like this one, uh, a lot of times we want to go to extremes. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about maybe things on a national scale, a worldwide scale. Um, not in any way to take away from the difficulty of those situations or even certainly the pain of those situations. I would say those are the exceptions rather than the rule. And and in a little while, I want to give you two examples from Scripture, each of which point to, and I think this really in concert with the rest of the New Testament, examples where we are wronged on an individual basis. So this isn't some foreign nation is attacking my country. This isn't, you know, some kind of civil war. This isn't, this is just, I am personally attacked. There's violence that's done against me. And by and large, the New Testament stresses, how will I respond when that kind of thing takes place? We'll get to it. <laughs> Indeed. I'm teasing my own content in the, in the podcast. That's, that's nice. Stay tuned. Yeah, yes, stay, stay tuned. tuned. Don't go away. We'll be Don't right back. Change that dial. <laughs> you know, uh, we were talking about uh, being child of God and mm-hmm. being um, being peacemakers, I think it comes back to, you know, we've addressed this in previous episodes before, but I think in order to be peacemakers, we have to be unified uh, in, in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that unity uh, is, is, is essential to having peace, but I think it can be a key part to having peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've addressed Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 before and talking mm-hmm. about uh, the unity of the body there. And how we should have one faith and one body and one hope and all these different things. And it, it shouldn't just, uh, we, we should be unified on these things scripturally. So whenever we do have these conversations, there can be peace in these conversations. One of the things people a lot of times fail to realize too is that that word peace actually has roots, particularly Jewish roots. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're, we're going back to the concept in as much as this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing a, a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. And when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, even though this is recorded for us in Greek, it's going back to that Hebrew term shalom, which means more than just the absence of conflict, but digs into a general well-being. Um, it, it is, in a sense, a, a wish, a, maybe even a prayer, that you will be having peace, that you will be at peace, that you will be physically well, uh, and that you will be, in many ways, whole. And if you watch the Sermon on the Mount, especially, very carefully, you'll notice that that's what Jesus is, is wanting here, is a wholeness. He says in 548, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, I can't be morally sinless the way God is. Right. But I can be whole, virtuous, um, approaching my service to God in a wholehearted way. And I want to suggest that that is a lot of the challenge when it comes to this 
this issue that we're talking about here because it is so hard when I'm attacked or sometimes even worse when someone I love is attacked in some way. By and large, it's going to be verbal attacks, right, in our culture, uh, thankfully, I guess, because it could be way worse. But um, when I'm attacked, what do I want for the other person? You know, Jesus is going to say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Mm-hmm. Even in Matthew 5, um, 10, 11, and 12, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I mean, it sounds backwards, but he's giving us this whole approach. This, If you really want to be at peace, uh, part of the way to do that is to um, not retaliate in kind. You know, we've, we've been looking a lot here at the, uh, the, math, at the passage in Matthew 5, the Sermon mm-hmm. on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people call Romans chapter 12 the kind of the summarized version of that. Yeah. Or at least that's the, the term that I've heard. Uh, and Romans chapter 12, I think Paul does a really good job of telling us what peace is and how we should, sh- and, and, and why we should strive for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in verse 14 of Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So Paul gives us this this list here of things that we need to do as Christians. When we're persecuted, we bless them. We pray for them, as, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, right? And we are not to get revenge, he spends a lot of time here in this passage talking about not paying evil for evil because God knows what everyone does. God knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts and God will judge us for them. God will judge us for our actions. And so it's not our place to get that vengeance to act out of spite to someone who hurt us. That's not our place. Instead, Paul essentially says here to kill him with kindness, mm-hmm. right? The, the old proverb, to kill him with kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. You know what that's going to do to your enemy? It's going to confuse them. (laughs) It's going to baffle them. They're going to say, well, and and it may not happen immediately. It may take a long period of self-reflection for them to see this. But eventually it will come to the point where if you continue with this peace and they continue with evil, they will look at themselves and say, I have been treating this Christian so terribly. Mm. I have been absolutely persecuting him and, and, you know, abusing him, whether it be physically or emotionally. And he has done nothing but repay me with kindness. Mm. He has been at peace with me despite all the things that I've done to him. Mm -hmm. I need that peace. I need to have that kind of self-control that he has or that she has in, you know, whatever circumstance. Mm -hmm. Because if I can treat this person so poorly and they still love me, there's got to be something that they're doing. Mm. And I need to have that. Mm-hmm. You know, Romans 12 really answers the question, how do I as a Christian react when people are unkind to me? You know, if we're talking about violence, behavior involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something, Walker, as you said a minute ago, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, here's somebody and they wish me harm. But Paul says, of course, this is the Holy Spirit, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. The emphasis that not one person deserves evil in in repayment of evil. This goes back to what Jesus uh, talks about in Matthew 5. Uh, You've heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this idea of retaliation in kind. And we'll go back around to that in just a minute, I'm sure. Consider in advance, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all people. So I'm to respect the humanity, the dignity that someone deserves because they are human. You know, as Christians, we say we're pro-life. And a lot of times we mean that within the context of 
babies that are un, unborn, right? And absolutely, amen. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If I'm pro-life, I'm going to respect all human life, amen. born or unborn. Uh, you know, uh, six months in utero or 60 years old, right? And here, if we're going to be consistent and authentic in this, the response to violence that Christians are to do is to continually treat that individual, even though they mean us harm, in a way that honors the dignity of their humanity. That's not to say, and he's going to get to this in Romans 13, that the government can't step in and, and you know, use force, even the sword, Romans 13, verse 4, mm-hmm. to punish those who are uh, breaking the law. But at the same time, the reason why I can, in peace, Isaiah, to your point, is extend humanity and dignity and even kindness to that other person is because God's going to deal with them. I don't want that for them. But I know that ultimately God's got this. And so vengeance is not in my hands. And it's really presumptuous for me to say, I'm going to get back at them or even to wish them harm. Notice that it's not enough from Romans 12 for me to simply ignore that person who is mean to me or who wishes me harm. I'm supposed to actively do good to that person. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as passive good. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Good is active. Same with love. Love is active goodwill toward another person. That's why this is so challenging. Not because it's hard to understand, but because A, it's countercultural, and B, it's just really hard. (laughs) It's just really hard to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's easier said than done. Amen. You know? It's one thing for us to be sitting here in this room in a peaceful time with Bibles open talking about this hypothetically, conceptually. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when I'm right in the heat of it. Having to live it out. Having to live it out. Hey, we got brothers and sisters right now in Ukraine that are praying for their Russian brothers and sisters, but are also praying for the Russian individuals who are coming into their country and tearing up their homes and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are living this right now. But where'd they get it? From these passages, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that's easier said than done. Um, and, you know, it just amazes me. Studying this and other topics that we've studied before, it just amazes me on how Jesus did it throughout his ministry mm-hmm. and uh, how he was able to come to this earth and to show everyone who treated him poorly uh, with just uh, an unmeasurable amount of kindness. And I think the greatest example is whenever he's hanging there on the cross at Calvary and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And it's it's just amazing of how Jesus makes it look really so simple, um, but yet he commands us uh, as followers of him to do this exact same thing. And we we may often come under this conception that the Christian life is easy, but from this study, it shows that the Christian life is not easy. And, and this is one of the things that you have to get through in the Christian life is mm-hmm. learning how to love your enemies mm-hmm. um, and learning how to do good to those who hurt you. You know, and then I'll get to Isaiah in just a second. Um, one thing that I thought of is that, you know, if someone does bad to us, what good is it going to do if we did evil back to them? And I think that's the whole point that Romans 12 is trying to make here is that, mm-hmm. you know, we can do good, we can do bad back to them, but there's nothing that's going to be good in return from that. That's only going to stimulate more violence. That's only going to stimulate more bad things from happening. And in verse 19, I think we've mentioned this, but uh, it says, Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Uh, If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be helping, uh, heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good, as Robert pointed Mm -hmm. out just a few minutes ago. Um, And that's my point. You know, you brought up the statement that Jesus made on the cross to to God, asking mm-hmm. God to forgive the sins of the people who put him there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that is an incredibly powerful statement. And I think it even goes back to when he was in the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was praying that the cup would pass from his hands, that he would not have to go through with the crucifixion. But he knew that it was God's will that needed to be done and not his. And in, in the garden, he went, uh, when he was arrested... His disciples took up swords and, and tried to defend him, and, G- and Jesus said, Stop it. Mm. I could have called 10,000 angels down. I could have kicked these, uh, or these, these men who are arresting me out of the garden, mm-hmm. right? Just, just by speaking it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and yet he he doesn't. He goes like a lamb to the slaughter, right? As the the uh, prophecy in Isaiah says, mm-hmm. he goes as a lamb to a slaughter. Jesus was at peace with all men, even those who disagreed with him, even those who were trying to attack him, even those who were trying to discredit him. Jesus lived a life of love. He practiced a life of love. And I think that can be, be really seen in one of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. Right? We look at John chapter 3 and verse 16, and Jesus says there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right? That is the entire point of Jesus coming down to the earth, is because of love. Is to show that love, show that peace, even though he knew all the things that he would have to go through. Mm-hmm. All of the people who would persecute him, all of the people who would attack him, and the ones that he loved. He did it again for us. He did it for me, he did it for mm-hmm. the three of us in this room, he did it for everyone who listens to this podcast and everyone who's ever existed. Well, and interject First John into that. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Mm-hmm. We have an obligation to do this. You know, um, going back a minute to Matthew chapter 5 and looking at, at 38 and following, a lot of times we talk about violence, you know, so Jesus says, turn the other cheek. And, and that's one of those things that's really well known. Uh, it's one of those things I think most people think, yeah, but if I'm in that situation, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, if, if I go to Matthew 5 and read starting at 38 and going forward, he says, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Let's pause here for just a second. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, I think the point Jesus is making is in verse 20, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And the point he was making was the Pharisees and the scribes aren't doing it right. They're focusing on the externals rather than the internals. And they're doing what they do to be seen by men, and therefore they have their reward, Matthew chapter 6. In, in other words, they don't have a heavenly reward because they've laid up all their treasures on earth. So Jesus is teaching us in the rest of Matthew 5 through six different examples of how to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Do you want to be a true, authentic follower of Jesus? Well, here's how you do it. And he's going to give, as I said, six examples. Anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and then loving your enemies. Uh, And so this is the fifth of those examples, retaliation. Think for just a minute uh, about what he says here. He says, you've heard, but I say. And he said that in each of these six. He follows the same formula in each of these. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and that's true. He's quoting the Old Testament there, Exodus 21, 24, uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy also repeat it. What's interesting about this is it seems the scribes and the Pharisees took this passage out of context. They applied an Old Testament passage that was really in a legislative, legal context and applied it into a personal ethic. And what that gave them the ability to do is to basically be a personal vigilante. I get, you know, you, you hurt me, well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? I mean, you got it, uh, more to, same to you and more of it, right, kind of thing. Jesus says, I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. Jesus isn't contradicting the law when he quoted from Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He's saying the scribes and the Pharisees took it out of context. And what Jesus is doing, this is a passage that's been come to known as the lex talionis. That's Latin for the law of retaliation. And that is is replicated in almost every culture, in almost every law uh, system, because it's there as as somewhat of a, a padding, a legal padding. It prevents someone from... You know, if I'm the victim of a crime, I don't just lash right out against that other person. And that protects the person who allegedly did that crime. I mean, what if it turns out that he didn't actually do it, right? Here, I've, you know, smacked him upside the head or something, you know, whatever it was. But the second thing is that that prevents the citizens of any municipality, you know, from going around and acting like everybody's the police, which isn't a good thing either, right? You don't need to have too many people that perceive themselves to be in charge. Um... Jesus says, here's what I'm telling you on a personal level. 
Don't resist the one who is evil. So now he's going to give four examples of this. If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Here's the fourth example. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. All right, so does this mean that in every situation, if somebody comes to me out of the blue and slaps me, that I'm just supposed to say, hey, here's the other one too, right? I mean, this is the part where people are like, well, Christianity falls out because that, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, no. You know, if, if the person, if I'm walking out of Walmart and a guy comes up to me and says, hey, give me the keys to your car, do I have to give him the keys to my car in the spirit of Matthew 5.42, give to the one who begs and don't refuse the one who would borrow? No. So obviously there are like some practical common sense boundaries to right. this. If somebody comes up and slaps my wife, they're going to have to deal with me. And the issue there is not that I wish you know, the other person to die. It's just I'm going to protect my wife. And by the way, as the provider of my house, I have the obligation to do that. Mm-hmm. If somebody breaks into my house in the middle of the night, I have the right, and I think biblically speaking, to defend. Mm-hmm. It's not about my stuff so much as it is about my family, right? right. I mean, I'm not going to let somebody just come in and take my two-year-old and run off with him. No, that's crazy. And that's not what Jesus is teaching here. But when there's a personal act of violence on me, what am I to do? Well, look at what Jesus did. He was slapped and he took it, mm-hmm. right? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. This is 1 Peter 2, 21 to 24. If somebody takes your tunic, hey, they did that to Jesus, Matthew 27, 35. Uh, If someone forces you to go a mile, well, Jesus had to carry the cross, right? And he attempted to do it under the weight of that cross beam, plus after being beaten almost to death in the scourging, they compelled Simon of Cyrene to come and help him. Jesus knows what this is like. He's not telling us to do something that he himself was not willing to do. And if we'll be like Jesus, for God so loved, if God so loved, then we ought also to love. Mm-hmm. If I'll be like Jesus, I'll understand the heart behind what it is that's being communicated here. I say to you, don't resist the one who's doing evil. Why? Because vengeance belongs to God. Mm-hmm. I don't wish evil on that other person. But listen, I got to be careful. This is a matter of my heart, you know? And it's not enough just to restrain myself from doing bad to somebody. Right. Back up in Matthew 5 and look at 21. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. Yeah, the law said that. Mm-hmm. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is a heart issue. I shouldn't wish ill on another person, and that's hard, even when they've wronged me, even when they've hurt me. Um, suffer. Here's what it comes down to, and then I'm going to be quiet because I'm going to preach it. Look out. <laughs> when you suffer, when I suffer, we have the opportunity either to be selfish or to be like the Savior. That's really what it comes down to. And uh, Peter says, it's good to suffer for doing good. We got to get there and it's hard. It's countercultural. But if we'll be like Jesus, this is the way we'll live. I guess the question comes down to is, which one are we more like now? Are we more like the scribes and the Pharisees or are we more like Jesus? Warn us before you start stepping on our (laughs) toes. That hurts. Mm, It does. Um, But I mean... I, I've been in the scribes and Pharisees shoes before and um, definitely uh, struggled to be like Jesus before. And I know we've all been in the shoes before. And so um, it's easy it's because easy. if I'm the scribe and the Pharisees, then I get to make myself God. Mm-hmm. I get to put myself in God's shoes mm-hmm. and that's blasphemy. But it's easier to do that sometimes than to do the hard work to make sure that I'm actually the way God wants me to be. You know, I've mentioned on the show at least once, maybe, maybe more than that, about, <laughs> about a situation that happened here on campus a few months ago with uh, some other Christians. And, you know, there was no physical violence involved. There was no, you know, actual abuse or anything of that nature. But mm-hmm. it was a, a very hurtful situation for me. Mm-hmm. 
they did things, uh, they acted in a way that hurt me deeply. Mm. And honestly, I'm seeing, I'm seeing now that the way that I have been responding to that is not the way that we as Christians are to be called to respond. Mm. And so just if they happen to be listening, I want to apologize. And, you know, I pray that I can do, do better at that and that we can all do better at this. Because like we've been saying, this is not an easy thing to do. No. This is not something that is, you know, there, there are things in the scriptures that we say, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, we go to church every Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. I can do that. That's easy. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, well, the scriptures say, let's, let's take the Lord's Supper. That's a three-minute process. To count right? that. Yeah, I'm good with yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Forgiving someone who wronged you. Living in peace with someone who's hurt you, doing good to those who have done evil to you, that's not easy. That's downright, absolutely, incredibly difficult. But that's the standard that we're called to live to. And like you've been saying, it's it's because we're called to be different from the world. We're called to be a counterculture. Because the world is not from God. Right? The things in the world, the things that are evil, the things that are hurtful are not from God. God is love and, and mercy and, yes, justice. But, and we cannot have God without love and justice. And we need to, we need to better resemble that. And, again, I've not done a good job of this. It's something that I'm realizing now that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for bringing up these points. Well, and we all do. You know, let's offer the caveats, right? Because sometimes people listen to something like this and know, yeah, but, and you know, the yeah, buts are maybe valid. Um, does this mean that I have to go around naive, you know, and, and trust people who are untrustworthy? Well, no, you know, and part of the thing about giving to the one who begs, for example, that's kind of an easier example than the others. But, you know, I, I want to help people. But I also don't want to enable people in doing things that they shouldn't do, right? And, and I see some parallels here. Of, I, I just need to, but the point is I have a heart that wants to help. I have a heart that wants to forgive. You know, I can't forgive anybody of their sins. I can't do it. Nobody's forgiven except for from the, through the blood of Jesus, right? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, all right? So what I'm doing in having a heart willing to forgive the person who wrongs me or who hurts me is I'm mirroring God's heart. God, who is represented by the father in the parable of the prodigal son, who stands on his porch waiting for his son to return and is eager to receive him back, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's more than just that moment. That is represented, right? It's a story, right? So I can't read too much into a story that Jesus told but that's representative of a heart that will stand on the porch watching for the person to come asking for forgiveness. More importantly, seeks God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. My heart is to mirror that. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, in a context where he's talking about Christians who are taking each other to court. And um, he says, first of all, you know, by taking each other to the public courts, you are bringing shame on the church and you're making Christians look bad because you can't figure this out with each other. You know, he says, what, do you need a mediator to come in and help you out? You know, can't you find somebody from the church who can help you to work out your difficulties rather than airing your grievances in the public courts? And then he goes on to say, but by the way, wouldn't it be way better to be defrauded Mm -hmm. than to tarnish the, the bride of Christ in the public arena? And sometimes this means if I'm going to have the heart of Jesus, then I'm going to take a hit. Sometimes I may lose something. Uh, And sometimes I may even be subject to to physical harm. This is easier said than done. But that was the reality for the New Testament church. And sometimes uh, our pride is going to take a hit too because, you know, oftentimes we can get filled with um, pride and we can get filled with... uh, those different things and whenever someone hurts us or something like that it, it may not be that our our feelings were hurt mm-hmm. in a sense but it was more that our pride was hurt and our ego got shut down yeah and so um that that's i think that's something that 
hits home uh, with me sometimes, um, and I know with other people as well, we, we struggle with this issue of pride, and so whenever someone hurts us, it's not necessarily the situation itself, but it's just that our our whole pride and ego got shut down just then, and so now that sort of hurts us, and how do we, I guess, and that immediately we start to think, well, how can I immediately build up this pride again? But in all reality, we're not in this world to be on our own stage. We're in this world to glorify God and to live the life that he's called us to live. And that's definitely not one of being prideful. You know, we sort of answered the next two questions on the script, um, and which is great. Because I told you all I would go off script. I'm sorry. Hey, it is wonderful because oh, now I get to throw in an, uh, an improv question that Perfect. was not on the script. And so, um, so I guess for you, Mr. Hatfield, um, what would be three uh, practical um, applications or three practical things that our viewers can take home today on how to handle a situation whenever they're encountered with violence uh, from another person? Yeah. Um, well, first, let me say that as peacemakers, we want to do everything we can to de-escalate situations and promote peace. Um, and so I, I guess that would be the first thing that I would say. You know, being a peacemaker requires a lot of interpersonal skills. Um, that may mean that I'm a mediator between two opposing parties, kind of like the Yodia and Syntyche thing in Philippians 4, where Paul says, hey, I want this other guy to come in and help out. Sometimes, even when it's harder, to your point about pride and ego, um, that means I have to be the peacemaker, even though I'm involved in the altercation, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Uh, you know, this happens all the time. I mean, you guys don't know it yet, but you get married. Marriage is fantastic, okay? Mm -hmm. But get married, and you may have to say sorry first, even when you think that you're right. Mm -hmm. Now, the reality is you're probably not. But anyway, <laughs> that's a minor example. But being a peacemaker means I'm willing to make the peace, even if it hurts the argument I've been trying to build for the last three hours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I use that as a trite example, but I think it applies in a lot of different scenarios. So that's the first thing I would say. Number two, think about it like this. You cannot assume the place of God. And when I want the other person to get what they have coming to them, and I'm going to rejoice when that happens, uh, that's blasphemy. And I think that's what Paul's saying here in Romans 12. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so he says, so if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Commit all that other stuff to God. Let's realize that when I am vindictive against another person, sometimes that may mean that, you know, I, I do the equivalent of sticking my leg out so they'll trip over it, you know. But other times that just means I'll rejoice when harm comes to them. Or I'll rejoice when they flunk out of school. Or I rejoice when they don't get the promotion that they wanted. Or whatever. That's not the way I ought to be. That's pride and ego coming right. back in. Mm -hmm. The third thing I'll say is this. I don't know that I've given concrete things you can do, but I've given you mentalities to, <laughs> to give into your life. The third thing I'll say is this. Look at how Jesus' ethic positions the church and Christians with a very wonderful opportunity. Not to stir up a hornet's nest, but it wasn't that long ago that people took to the streets in protest mm -hmm. about issues surrounding race. And here's what I know about race. The Bible says God's no respecter of persons, Acts 10, 34, and 35. The Bible says, and, and you want to talk about a gospel component to this? Ephesians 2 teaches that Jesus has broken down every wall that should separate people groups, mm -hmm. right? That's clear. Y'all may be talking about race on another podcast, so let me not steal that person's thunder. <laughs> Go for it. You're helping us right back. <laughs> With that in mind, though, in our country, we, we have the wonderful blessing of peaceful protest. The problem is when that turns into protest that's not peaceful. Mm. All right. I think it's obvious that God does not condone mass murder. Not that that was happening in those protests. I think it's also obvious that God does not condone, you know, me going and destroying another person's property. Uh, that God does not condone me setting on fire a police vehicle. You know, Romans 13, I think, would really speak to that in a variety of ways. I'm supposed to be subject 
to the powers that be, mm-hmm. bearing in mind that in Paul's day, that was the Roman Empire, okay? Right. It was hardly modern America. Mm-hmm. Um, as Christians, we have this ethic of peacemaking, of turn the other cheek. And at first, that seems like that's completely at odds with our culture. Mm-hmm. But look at what we're offering. We're offering, does that mean, yes, sometimes I'll be hurt? Yes, sometimes that means I'll have to bear up under punishment. Sometimes my cheek might be slapped and I have to turn the other also. But what I'm saying is, look at the peace that I have. I'm not caught up in this, well, they hurt me so whatever. Sometimes I am. But if I'm living by Jesus' ethic, I'm not. Right. I, the solution is Jesus. And uh, we have the wonderful opportunity of sharing that with other people. Mm-hmm. Now, even when Jesus was here, they put him on a cross, mm-hmm. right? The Messiah came into the world and the world did not receive him, okay? So will my acting in a loving way help stop the violence around me? I would like to think so. And many times it might, but not all the time. You know, we live in a world that says power comes by force. And if that means violence, hey, look at Russia. You know, I want this and so I will go and get it, right? Uh, That's the world we live in. You talk about climbing the corporate ladder, a dog-eat-dog world. I mean, we got, this is so pervasive in our culture that we have colloquialisms to describe it in a very succinct and wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be countercultural. Jesus says, don't be surprised when the world hates you. But the solution, if we flip that on its ear, look at what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Are you wanting inclusion? Jesus says, come to me. Yeah. Uh, are you wanting validity for uh, you know, who you are as a person? You're, gonna, you're not going to find any greater self-worth than you do in the self-worth that God instilled within you. Are you looking for a peace that says, it doesn't matter what you do to me. I know that I'm okay. That's what we have. And that's what Jesus is calling to with this ethic about violence, how we respond to it. Wow. You got any thoughts? Well, I was just going to say, you know, we, we read a lot from Matthew chapter 5 today. Yeah. And I want to go ahead and finish off that chapter. <laughs> um, Why not? <laughs> We've come this far. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus, of course, as, as uh, Brother Hatfield was discussing, gives these these teachings that I've heard referred to as the shocking teachings, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the teachings that tell us to be different from the world, the teachings that tell us to be that counterculture, to be those who are unique in the world. And in verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Mm. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus says, you've heard, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's what you've always been told. That's not what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You need to love everyone, right? Love those who are hurting you. Love those who are persecuting you. And go even beyond that, right? Like we've discussed already on this episode, it's not a cold, you know, I'm not hurting you by not being around you kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to actively show love, actively show God's love to them. And he says in verse 45 that God shows his love to us by sending rain on everyone, mm-hmm. not just on those who quote unquote deserve it, even though we, we know that we are imperfect beings and that no one deserves it. Right. But God blesses everyone, even those who are unfaithful to him, even those who are evil and persecute those who are trying to follow him. Mm-hmm. And then I think Jesus really drives it home in verses 46 and 47. Mm-hmm. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And then he says, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? We're called to be above. We're called to do more. And if that means loving those who hate us, if that means praying for those who wish us to, to fall, mm-hmm. then that's what we need to do. 
He says, do not even the tax collectors, do not even the Gentiles do the same. Right? These people who in Jesus' time were considered to be the lowest of the low, especially in Jewish society, you know, if they're doing these basic human goods like loving those who love them, <coughs> greeting those who greet them, then we are to be above that. We are called for more than that. Mm. And like we've been saying, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult, but mm-hmm. our reward is so much better than the sufferings that we'll have to endure here on earth. That's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Mm-hmm. We have a home in heaven if we are found faithful in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. A home in heaven where we're told there will be no tears. There will be no sorrow. There will be no grief. There will be no pain. There will be no violence. Mm. We will have peace in heaven for all eternity. But we cannot have that if we only love those who love us. We cannot be with God forever if we only greet those who are kind to us. Mm. Christians are called to love as God loved. And that's not something that we can ever live up to. Because as we've mentioned, we cannot forgive other people's sins. Only God can do that through the sacrifice of his son. We will never be perfect as God is perfect, even though that's what Jesus tells us to do in verse 48. Mm -hmm. And so some people will look at verse 48, which says that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and, and give up. Now, I know I've, I've had this attitude in the past, too. You know, I'm never going to live up to this, so why bother trying? Mm-hmm. We know, God knows that we're never going to be able to live up to this. God knows our imperfect nature. And that's why Jesus was sent to, to, to the cross in the first place. And he gave us that forgiveness of sins, and he also acts now as a mediator between God and us. He says, God, I know they messed up. I know that they have fallen short. They're not loving the way that you have said for them to love. It's not easy. It's, it's hard, God. I've been down there. I was on earth. People are rude. People mm-hmm. are hurtful. People are violent. Mm-hmm. People will persecute them. It's not easy to, to live up to this standard. Mm-hmm. So God, forgive them. God, be merciful. And the amazing part of the scriptures is that God is. Right? We, we mentioned this earlier. God is all justice, but at the same time, he's all love. Mm-hmm. He's all mercy. And that's the beauty of the scriptures. Amen to that. Um, you know, I just got done writing a lesson over the struggle, and I was writing the lesson over Romans chapter 7, and specifically 7 through 25, uh, those verses. And that's what this issue comes down to today. The Bible and violence, it comes down to dealing with the struggle of sin. It comes down to dealing with uh, the struggle of just life in general it comes down to dealing with um, the battle between our inner selves. As Paul gets into the latter part of Romans chapter 7, he talks about the struggle between himself and the inner thoughts and uh, his his inner battle that he's having. And so that's the battle that comes to us and we have to deal with this issue because it comes more between a physical and a mental battle. Uh, we should have a mindset set on Christ and we should be living a mind of Christ and so that's gonna that mind is gonna be of love and it's gonna be a peace but sometimes our actions don't always reflect that mindset that we want to have and so it goes back to what we mentioned before Romans chapter 12 and 1 and 2 setting your minds on things above and transforming your mindset and that and you know that's what it comes down to with this and any other thing that we're struggling with um, that results in physical harm to someone else it comes down to going back to that mindset of love and loving others just like christ had that mindset to do so we thank uh, brother hatfield so much for coming on today um not doctor not doctor (laughs) your temporary promotion for today (laughs) i appreciate that yeah that's good only on this podcast am i a doctor so that's great (laughs) i mean compared to us oh wow now now i'm just old that's great But if you're if you're enjoying our podcast, you'll definitely enjoy the series of podcasts that Brother uh, Hatfield um, does. He has a whole network called the Light Network, which is designed to empower 
your mind, enlighten your faith, and incur- or, I'm sorry, I missed that up, but I'll let him explain about the light network. It was something along those lines. I know it's empower, enlighten, and encourage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the mind the, <laughs> and all that. I'll leave that yeah. up to him. Well, so the light network is a network of podcasts yes. designed to encourage your soul, yes, enlighten your mind, and empower your faith. It just sounds good, but that's what we try and do. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we, we focus a lot on Christian living, you know, in the podcast, mm-hmm. what we can do to live for Jesus and live like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, TheLightNetwork.tv. Thanks for the plug. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. And um, as always, we'll mention this again, that we're always here for you. If you have any questions regarding uh, the episode today, um, we definitely want to hear from you. You can contact us through our Facebook and uh, Instagram and also our phone number, 731-439-9671. We'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. And we've enjoyed discussing this topic of the Bible and violence. And we hope that uh, it has been able to benefit you in your study. It definitely benefited us in our study today together. And we, uh, I think it's best that we end this in prayer, Isaiah. And then um, we hope that you uh, are benefited from this. Absolutely. God bless you. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord of all there is and creator of all there is. Lord, you are so loving. You are so kind and gentle and at peace, Lord. Lord, we strive for those things. We strive to show the love that you show. We strive to have the peace that you have, the the peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. Lord, we know that this world is not our home. Lord, we know that through these travels, going to our destination of heaven, Lord, we will encounter a lot of people who are not on the same trip, who have a different destination, Lord. People who will try to drag us down, people who will hurt us, people who will say things to us that cut us to our soul. Lord, we know that we will be affected by these people and we pray that we will remember the example that your son had for us. To live at peace with all men as much as, it, as, as much possible as it, as it is for us. Lord, I pray that we will be more forgiving as you are forgiving, that we will have the strength and have the trust in you to put it in your hands. Lord, I pray that when we are wrong, that we will not try to pay back evil with evil, but pay it back with good. Help us to remember these difficult lessons, Lord, to remember these these subjects and, and these topics that we have talked about here today. Lord, I pray that everything we do will glorify you and bring people closer to you. Help us to do a better job of showing the love that you had for all mankind when you sent your son to die on the cross. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.